Hello, this is Chip Stewart, and welcome to the Worthy is He podcast. And in today's episode, I'm going to share with you a teaching I did in December of 2022 entitled The Believer's Responsibility to the Truth. So why is this important? Well, when you think of the world system in which we live on this earth, it takes on the characteristics of its chief, of its leader, of its commander, who is Lucifer, the devil, Satan. And the Bible tells us he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's the father of lies. So then it stands to reason that we are going to see the characteristics of that leader play out in spades in the world system. So we are going to see a plethora, a system replete with lies and deception. So as followers of Christ, followers of the truth, what is our responsibility to the truth? What does our Lord say about that? So that's what I hope to address in the upcoming teaching, which was given at uh, Domini Community Church in uh, December of 2022, and I hope you are edified by it. Without further ado, here it is. Father, we thank you for this morning that we can come together and study your word. Lord, work through your Holy Spirit in us that we can have a greater understanding of how you want us to live, how we can be your obedient servants in this life. Lord, bless our study this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. It's wonderful that we have the, uh, the women and the men together um, this morning. And um, I, I will admit it's a little intimidating, um, but uh, here we go. So, the, the topic this morning, um, what I felt led um, by the Holy Spirit to, to teach on, is the believer's responsibility to the truth. Um, it's absolutely essential that we understand this um, so that we can be obedient to our master. Uh, I, I, took, I took a little time um, as I was preparing this to reflect on my purpose and, and how the Holy Spirit has been leading me in the teachings that I've been delivering to the men's group uh, over the past two years. So I'll, I'll go through that first. And for those that um, we're not present for the uh, the teachings. I, I'm sorry for that. I apologize, uh, but I, I'll briefly summarize what they were, and I may end up going back and creating a, a slide deck and may end up recording um, a presentation of it um, because I, I think that what the Spirit has set up here is is very important. So my purpose, um, reflecting on my purpose, I, I see it one as being to stir up my brothers and sisters to love and good works as it says in Hebrews. And it's through obedience to our Savior. John 14, 15 says very clearly that you will show your love for the Savior by obeying his commands. And that is something that the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart um, for quite some time now and, and the importance of this because the world speaks to us in a way um, where it has a perverted sort of love. It tells us what, a, what, what the world system says love is. And we need to understand what our Lord and Savior says love is. And for us to love our Savior, he says very clearly, it's through the obedience to his commands. 
I also see my purpose is to encourage us to run the race that's set before each one of us. We each have a race to run that the, our Savior has given us. And we have a race to run together as a body of Christ. We need to understand that. And, I, and above all, I want us all, every one of us here at the end of our lives, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. That's why I hope everybody hears at the end of their lives. And all this is for our good and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how have I been teaching through this in support of, of what I believe my purpose is? The first one, um, which I did back in July of 2021, was laying out the world system. We need to understand that we are in a spiritual war. That Satan runs this world system. He's the father of lies, a deceiver, and a murderer. And what we're going to see in this world system is his character played out because he is in charge of it. So you're going to see lies, deception, and murder in this world system. I then led us through a discussion of our Lord's high priestly prayer from John 17. This is very important for us to know as believers because we have our high priest, Jesus Christ, who is praying for us now at the right hand of the Father. He prayed for us before he left. And knowing that we're in this world system, he prayed for the Father to protect us from the evil one. We're protected while we're here in this world system. It also tells us that we are left here for a reason. Christ did not pray to take us out of the world system, out of this world. He left us here. He prayed for our protection so that what? We can make disciples and glorify his name. I then taught on eternal security from uh, the book of 1 John. Because one of the purposes in that book is that we may know that we have eternal life. This is an important thing for us to understand as believers in this world. If you are in doubt of your internal security, you are not going to be effective for the kingdom of God. So this is an important thing for us to, to understand and live. And John lays it out very well in his book. Then we discuss the spiritual discipline of Bible intake. Because it's important for us to know the truth. And we must be disciplined to read the word so that we can, we can identify truth. And we can identify falsehood. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. Then freedom in Christ. What does Christ free us to do? <coughs> well, some things that he frees us to do. I, I think this is something else that can be misunderstood by many believers. So there are things he frees us from. There's things he frees us to do. And then there's certain things we're not free from. And we need to understand that. Such as we're free from being a slave to sin. We're free from having Satan as our father. We're free from having to conform to the world system. We're free to love God as he commands us to. We're free to love our neighbor. And we're free not to have to take vengeance. But what we're not free from is the lordship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. Then I talked about the believer's rewards. 
we as believers will be judged not for salvation not to go whether we go into the the eternal lake of fire or we go to heaven that's we're going to heaven but it's on our obedience to christ it's on our good works for his glory while we are here on this on this earth in this life it's important to understand that we're running a race Again, I want everybody here, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of your master. And then today we're going to talk about the, relief, the believer's responsibility to the truth. So the, um, the format that I'm going to follow this morning is um, talk about what is truth. What does God think about truth? Kind of important. Um, under that, within that discussion, what God hates. Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees will be the central point of what we're talking about, the central discussion of, of this issue. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to look at lying and murder in practice. We'll go back to Genesis for that. And then finally, application. What does this mean for us and how then shall we live? Put the bottom line up front. Just to lay it out. Believing lies leads to sin and judgment. And as believers, we must therefore be able to discern and reject falsehood based on the word of God so that we can be obedient and effective servants of Christ. So, what is truth? So I'm gonna open up, what do y'all think truth is? Somebody wanna just, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like Pontius Pilate here and you know, <laughs> scoff and say what, what, what is truth? I got an idea. Please, Mark. There's a God and I'm not him. There's a God and I'm not him. Jesus said he was the truth. Okay. I'd like to see you work through the semantics of that. He is the truth. Okay. What about just like a dictionary definition? What we think is just, what is truth? You know, according to, if you're going to look in a dictionary, what do you think? I am the way and the truth. And the life. Wait, oh. Oh, if you're going to look in a dictionary, you might find that Webster's dictionary. Maybe the original Webster's. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Okay, well, let, me, let me help you. Let me help it can you. be an absolute an absolute, an absolute. Synonym, a synonym with that. Okay, an absolute. Okay. I've uh, what I've gone back to is uh, William. I, I actually have gone back to Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. Um, I find it to be a very reliable source of, of definitions, <laughs> especially as dictionaries definitions seem to change frequently these days, uh, based on a whim it seems. Um, but here uh, in Webster, I've got the first four definitions there's there's a few others but this one here is conformity to fact or reality exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be a true state of facts or things such as the duty of a court of justice is to discover the truth conformity of words to thoughts so truth within you is moral truth and then finally veracity purity from falsehood Okay, here we go. Pure from falsehood, practice of speaking truth, habitual disposition to speak truth, as when we say a man is a man of truth. So what does God say about truth? And I think some folks mentioned it. Um, we have John 14, 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How do y'all feel when he says, I am the truth? 
think about you know, the word in John saying in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us so here we see in John 17 the last one your word is truth well Christ is truth Christ is the word Christ became flesh and dwelt among us so you know God in, in the form of the word of his power came and dwelt among us comfort and security mm -hmm. I heard comfort comfort and security, comfort and security. <clears throat> Yes, I, yeah, please, I'm sorry. And that verse continues on where Webster's ends. Truth is uh, because of who Jesus is. Truth is a, a dynamic living quality. It's not just information, mm -hmm. which we tend to live in the fact world. That, that's an amazing statement there and the truth is dynamic it's just not information Eric so it means everything else is a lie everything else is a lie you think about he's the truth there is no falsehood within him he is trustworthy it's amazing that's our savior that's our savior like to add, too, I, I, I see it as he's, he was the same. I think of saying as the truth, the past, the present, the future. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Indeed. And, too, everything he said was absolutely true. There was nothing that came out of his mouth that was a variable or uh, a maybe or this is a good idea. Mm -hmm. as, as we look ahead to his confrontation with the Pharisees, <coughs> John chapter 8, we'll see that. And, and, and Pharisees' reaction to it, which is devastating. I mean, it's, you know, they, it's flabbergasted to see their response. John um, chapter 18, verse 37. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth, to bear witness to himself, to bear witness to his word. It's amazing. And the Father bears witness to him as, as well, when you'll, you'll see in, the, in, the, in John, John 8. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. We'll see those who don't listen to his voice. I hope everyone here listens to his voice. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, linking back to what was said earlier. I'd like now to look at what God hates. <coughs> I, I picked that out while we were in, in uh, this is a picture from Dresden. Uh, I don't remember what was on the side of it, but it reminds me of, of Lucifer, perhaps, or somebody like that. That's what it reminds me of. So what God hates, in Proverbs chapter 6, he talks about that. Does anybody recall some of the, those things that he hates, Margot? Those who shed innocent blood. Yes, ma'am. Those who shed, shed innocent blood. Liars. Haughtiness. Haughtiness. Gary, what'd you say? Liars. Liars. Yes, sir. Those who stir up dissension among the brethren. Yes. <coughs> Very good. Troublemakers in this is troublemakers in Yes. Israel. Yes, well done. These are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Leads off with haughty eyes, 
Isn't it interesting how he leads off with pride? Pride comes before the fall. And we all need to check ourselves every day, every minute of the day about our own pride. Die to yourself. Here we are, a lying tongue. We're talking about truth today. Second thing in his list, he hates a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Remember, these are abominations to the Lord. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Do we see that around us? A false witness who breathes out lies. Lies are, you could say, twice in there. You could probably interpret it, you know, maybe some of the others could include lying within it, but there's two very strong ones about lying. Okay? And then one who sows dis discord among brothers. Claire. Oh, this sidebar, this always reminds me of uh, J. Brian McGee. He quoted a little boy that got his Bible verses a little mixed up. A lie is an abomination unto the Lord in a very present time, help in time of trouble. Should I write that down? That's good. I throw in Psalm 34 here, verses 11 through 14, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it for you. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. This is how the Lord feels about this. He, he, he tells us, keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So now, let's go into John chapter 8. Let's take a look at um, his encounter with the Pharisees here. And this is stunning, tragic, when you take this apart. We're not going to go into every detail of John chapter 8 in, in these verses. We're looking very specifically at how truth and falsehood play against each other in this, in this interchange, in this confrontation. Okay? So if, if I could ask somebody, um, could someone read John chapter 8, verses just verses 12 through 30? We're going to take this in chunks. And then after each reading, I'm going to highlight certain things from those passages. So John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Okay, Bob, thank you. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered them and said to them, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from, where I come from, or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. 
If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What I have been saying to you from what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things as the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Thank you, Bob. So, so within this passage, what we see here is we see our Lord establishing truths about himself and declaring that his testimony is true. Some of the things he declared about himself, I am the light of the world. I am from above. I am not of this world. God's statements. He also, um, where it says, if you do not believe that I am he, and the, mm -hmm. the he's an interpolation for the English translation. It doesn't show up in the Greek. What he says, if you don't believe that I am, ego, me, which is exactly what he says at the end of this passage when they want to stone him. He says, before Abraham was, I am. It's the same thing. And it makes sense of the crowd's reaction because if you don't believe that I am, this will happen. Mm -hmm. And I am, and they're asking, effect am who because that, that's when they ask who are you finish your sentence <laughs> yes William these are God's statements statements that he is God just as you pointed out he then said he says in the passage I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am they put in he that I am you will die in your sins so he's establishing his truth that he is God this is truth they agree. <laughs> my testimony is, this is where he talks about his testimony. My testimony is true. My judgment is true. The judgment of Jesus and the Father together is true. And he who sent me is true. We're talking about the veracity, the, 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 the witnesses here. Witnesses, testimony. He declares them as being true, both him and the Father. However, this is the tragedy of this entire, as it plays out within this confrontation. The Pharisees respond to, the Lord's, to our Lord's statements 
by accusing him of speaking lies. Your testimony is not true. Problem. These are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. They are supposed to know the, the, uh, the prophets, Moses and the prophets who speak of Jesus, and yet they reject him. Falsehood, perhaps. Let's move on to the truth will set you free. If someone could read verses 31 through 36, please. I can read it. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone on earth. What do you mean set free? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you will indeed be free. Thank you, Sonny. <clears throat> so here he talks about, if you abide in my word, and you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Know the truth. Who is that? Well, it's interesting. Is who's, who's the audience at this point? It's a new audience. Mm -hmm. Those that's hung around, those mm -hmm. that believe. So he's laying out a challenge to them. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe in me, period? Or do you believe in me and your heritage? So they took heritage as their works, as their identity, mm -hmm. along with beliefs. So he's challenging how deep is it? Yes. Are, you, are you buying it all the way? Uh -huh. Yeah, directly, do you believe me? Do you believe in me? You will know the truth. You will know Jesus. Jesus will set you free. Well, he's implying that he is the Son of God, so it's a big claim. Yes, it is. It's a big claim. The Pharisees don't like that. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And if you recall, I, that was the lesson on freedom in Christ and what that what that means. And who is truth? Just like we said, our Lord and Savior, who is the Son of God, he is, he is the truth. And he establishes that in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. As we uh, saw before, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in other words, the Pharisees have just accused the truth of being falsehood. continue on to the father of lives if someone read verses 37 through 46 please verses 37 through 46 such things. You are doing the works of your own father. 
We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Thank you, Larry. So in this in this part of the, in this passage, our Lord excoriates the Pharisees. I, I don't know if there's any more condemning statements that our Lord has made about someone while he was here on, on the earth. This is, this is this is terrible, what he tells them. He first tells them, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and, and you do what you have heard from your father. So there's, he's saying there's apparently a distinction here. They don't share the same father. This is, this is trouble. The Pharisees mistakenly believe that Jesus was referring to Abraham or perhaps God himself as their father. But he quickly dispels them of this idea. You are doing the works your father did. You are of your father, the devil. They are the Pharisees who are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel representing Yahweh on earth and he says their father is instead the devil Sam it's like the, the way I heard the passage read was that somewhere along the line the Pharisees turned what was meant to be a vertical relationship into a, a horizontal institution that, you know, basically, you know, you're a rabble rouser. You're not the first one. It's, you know, these Pharisees have been, this isn't the first person that, that has called himself, I think, the Messiah in, in, their, in, their, in their circles. And, you know, they are dealing with this in their, in their, in their, in their flesh. They do not have a relationship with the Father. And I, I per, would perhaps go one step further. 
they hate the father. They kill his son. If you go back to the parable of the vineyard, he goes away, leaves stewards in his vineyard to, to manage it. He sends somebody to go collect what is his. They beat them, kick them out, kill them. And he sends his son, thinking they would honor the son. Yet they kill him. I think it's interesting. I just now realized that when the segment that Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, when you think about in the beginning with Adam and Eve, and when they fell, it was the devil that told them lies, twisted God's truth, and and he caused God to have to pronounce the, the, the judgment on them that they would now have to, you know, just not live mm -hmm. eternally with God. Well, that they would have to suffer on the earth and it would be a whole different scenario than how he created them. And, and I, I just now saw that, that parallel and it, I, it makes me think about people that say, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to talk about the devil. I don't, let's just talk about Jesus. And Jesus taught about him being a murderer and a liar and he's our enemy. And I think it's really good for this gentleman because we need to be educated and we need to be prepared and informed um, because I think he's out in force right now. The word says that, that um, he is enraged because he knows his time is short. So we, I think it's really good. Thank you for teaching on this, so that we can be alert. Did you Did you see my slides? No. <laughs> no, you, no, Nancy, you've nailed it. This is exactly what I want to happen. I want people to realize what our Lord is saying here, as He describes the devil. You know, He is truth. He is holy truth. And you, you see him as he describes the devil. He is pure falsehood. He is full of falsehood. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. How's that possible? You know, you may cover this, and it may be in a subsequent slide, but the word tells us that the whole world is in the power of the evil one, that he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of the world. And until we get transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, until he takes us out of that and transfers us to the kingdom of his son, then we are ourselves under the power of the devil. The whole world is slaves to sin. And so we have to be freed from that. That's why he says the truth will set you free. We're not free. It's not like you get born and you get a choice. You decide I'll be, I'll be a rebel and I'll be a, a slave to sin or I'll, I'll be, you know, Jesus's. And in between, I'm just kind of neutral. Nobody's neutral. Everybody gets born into the power of sin. And unless we get freed from that, that's where we stay. Yes. Yes. How's this Jesus is the truth? The truth is in perfect harmony with reality. This world will pass away. Um, 
So it's, it's like a movie set is a real movie set, but it's a fake city street. Mm -hmm. It's a lie. Okay, so what's eternal, God, is what is true simpliciter. That is what's real. And Jesus, therefore, is the truth. And how do we recognize lies? We compare it to the truth and we reject it. In practice, being finite human beings, what we do is we compare a statement or a claim with what we already believe. And if it conflicts with what we already believe, we reject it. So if we're full of lies, we have to reject the truth. Well, we don't have to. Um, at a certain fundamental level, it seems we're making a choice of what to believe. And for some people, Jesus resonated with them and they accepted Jesus and rejected all the stuff they had believed. <clears throat> Other people adhere to what they believe and reject Jesus. So, well, we certainly see the rejection of Jesus here as we, uh, as we go through this passage. And there were people who did believe yeah. in the Son. It seems, it seems if someone's representing the truth like Jesus did, that there would be a, a responsibility on our part to, or, or there, that a normal thinking person want to investigate the truth. And it's, it's through those truths that when you do investigate them, you find out they're true your faith really becomes strong mm -hmm. that in, in everything that he says and, and you find that nothing he says is untrue you know and uh, I find a great comfort in that because I was when I came into Christianity it was through uh, it was through a prayer that um, uh, that was answered and I said well maybe this is true and I started investigating more and more you find out there's truth after truth after truth and uh you say this this is real you know but um it takes i don't know if there's anything in scripture that says that we should expend effort to investigate the truth anywhere i can't think of anything that says that exactly but but um that's what i feel like that there's a response that if someone says there's a truth we should try and investigate it a little bit yeah and i, and I think the, you know, the biggest thing is you know we are to know our savior what we are to know our savior yeah. investigate the truth here he is Yes, this is, he's the word. You know, we investigate him, and this, this speaks of this speaks of our Savior. Uh, Eric, last one. I'm going to move us on the second time. Yeah, um, what I think is really beautiful in this is this is a very loving dialogue. He is the truth. It doesn't matter if people recognize that he's the truth or not. Mm -hmm. He's just truth. He didn't have to go and convince them that he was the truth, but he loved them. very true. We could let us all die in our sin. But God That's why sent him to the cross. That's why it's important to read the Gospels at least once a year. You know, how did he treat people? What did he teach? How did he live? And uh, yeah, we can forget some of the things he taught if we don't read them once in Indeed. a while. Indeed. So the, um, the last statement I, I put up here is because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. It's tough. 
So further accusations for the sake of time, I'm going to read through this. Um, this is verses 47 through 53. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. He is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Praise God. At this they exclaim, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? So some highlights for this section. Very interesting. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. These are supposed to be the men of God in Israel. They are not of God, and, and the Savior is telling them that directly. Then the Pharisees respond by accusing our Lord of being a Samaritan, of having a demon. And previously in verse 41, there's an implication there that he was being born of sexual immorality maligning his miraculous birth. Then he proceeds to tell the Pharisees how those who keep his word will never taste death. Pharisees and those around him. And the Pharisees accuse him of being demon-possessed and lying yet again. It's tragic. And then I believe this is the, uh, the last part, I think. Yes. So in uh, verses 54 through 59, Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. That's an amazing statement. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am the God statement. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. I would be a liar like you. Again, truth falsehood children of the devil the son of god jesus responded you're not 50 years old have you seen abraham truly truly i am and their final response is to kill him pick up stones and kill him kill god kill the savior blasphemy how dare you call yourself god yet if they had known God, if they had known the Father, if they understood what Moses and the prophets had said, they would have identified him as the Son of God and Messiah. It's a tragedy. So let's follow Nancy's path. Lying and murder found together in practice. I found it very interesting, as you did, that our Lord puts lying and murder together in the same context. How is that? All right, let's go back to the first recorded lie in Genesis 3. 
Someone first, before we, we start going into um, the lie, what was God's commandment? What was his only commandment to Adam and Eve? Could somebody read for me Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17? simple, huh? Only commandment that we know that he gave them. Okay? I'm going to walk through this very quickly because it looks like we've got about 12 minutes before we need to be out of the room. Um, so I apologize that we don't have time for more discussion. But the lie. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may, we may eat of the fruit of the, the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the deception coming in, the lie from someone that's speaking falsehood, full of lies. Sin, they acted on that lie. They believed the lie. Believing lies has consequences. Adam and Eve, believing the lie, led them to sinning. This disobedience on their part led to death for the entire human race. A lifetime of bondage to sin and eternal damnation. So you see here how our, our Lord brought together lying and murder on the part of Satan. This is where it first happened. Satan murdered the entire human race with that lie. He's a murderer. He's anti-God. He's anti-human. But the good news, the good news, but God, he's not done yet. But because they were disobedient, they were cursed by God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 24. He cursed the man, the woman, and the serpent. And here's a statement about death. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Satan's lie was quite effective, wasn't it? But God... Thank God he sent his Savior. In that same, in, in this same part of Genesis, he gives an indication that a Savior is coming to save us, the seed of the woman. Because what we cannot do, he does, because he, he loves us. Satan hates us, he killed us, we were disobedient, but God, God gave us a way out by sacrificing his own son, the truth, on the cross for our sins. So believing lies, acting on them leads to judgment, disobedience. So we, I think, have an obligation to know the truth and obey it. 
So what does this mean for us? We need to be careful how we live. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7, 7 through 17. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We're light. Expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ shines on us. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And the time is short, Nancy, I think, is what she had said. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We're also salt and light. You're the salt of the earth. Very quickly, anybody have any idea what salt does? Why would people call us salt of the earth? It preserves. It's a preservative. Enhances flavor. Enhances flavor. So we have we have a responsibility in this life to be salt. Preservative in this world. Preservative against is it how do you pronounce putrefaction? So things don't become putrid, rotten, rancid. That's where we see things going, don't we? We're also a light of the world. And we're not to keep that light hidden. We're not to keep the light of Christ, the light he gives us hidden. From the Psalms, I'm just going to, it's the underlying part. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. That's what he's looking for in us. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Back to the truth. We rest in the truth. We stand in the truth. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And then vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood. Nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. And let us recall also the future of liars. In Revelation, both passages are from Revelation. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, we've talked about that, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood.
hates liars. I'm going to skip over this. You can go back read Psalm 52 if you like. There's plenty more. I don't have it all here. You could write probably books on this. How then shall we live? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put these up. It looks like we have about four minutes. I'll let you read them. And if anything kind of pops in your head and you want to just kind of point it out or, you know, talk about it, just, just bring it up. I think the most important thing is we need to know and obey the truth. Chip, can you read it out loud so that people are able oh, to Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first one I have here is, and these are my thoughts on how we should live, know and obey the truth. The truth is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we show our love for him through our obedience to his commands. Now that we live in a world system, sorry, know that we live in a world system replete with lies and deceit, and that we should therefore test everything according to the truth. We need to expose falsehood. We do not sit with men of falsehood. We do not accept or propagate falsehood. We need to be salt and light in this world, communicating the truth. And then I think if you go and read Ephesians 6, it talks about the spiritual war that we're in and that we need to put on the full armor of God. One, one vestment of that being the belt of truth buckled around our waists. I think that that pastor, I don't know, know scripture very well, but the one about um, build your house on a strong foundation of my word is the word being the truth, you know, um, that when you look into that word and you understand it, it strengthens you and makes you stronger and stronger. And I think also that maybe there are a couple simple truths that we could um, tell other people who maybe are investigating Christianity or new to Christianity, like, um, turn to me and be comforted you know you can almost palpably feel it when you turn to Jesus and say I'm sorry and um, will you forgive me or, or um, uh, you know I'm, I'm hurting or something you can almost it's almost experiential what you feel uh, and that that's a that's a proof in its own and uh, and that maybe tell new people that um, it's worth the effort to you have to try a little bit at least you know and say at least try and turn to God and, and, and see whether it works for you or not. And I can say this as somebody who mm -hmm. was in church and then was away for a long time and came back. So I, some of these things are new to me again. And uh, But those, those were some thoughts I had. Thank you, Karen. Well, I've heard testimonies where somebody said, I just cried out, Jesus, help me. Or Jesus, if you're there, show yourself. And that's the prayer he wants to answer. If 
it is a certainty that you will get caught up in in a narrative whether it's inside the church or outside you know that is you know if you're not seeking the truth between you and your lord in 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 silence Sam, thank you for that, and especially mentioning prayer, because we, we need to pray. We read the word, we need to pray. Early and often. <laughs> Lies are a trap. Deception is a trap to get us to, to commit sins of omission and commission. The Bible speaks to both. That's why we have to know the truth, because we want to be obedient to our master. We want to glorify him. We want to be his effective servants while here on this earth. There are people out there. Days are evil, the time is short. There are people out there that need to hear the word. They need to see us living lives that glorify God. They need to hear the truth, and we cannot be ashamed of it. Looking ahead, um, just this is Lord willing. Um, what I plan to teach on next is on the neutralization of the church. Um, I come from a military background, so to use a military definition of neutralize, I'll read it to you. As pertains to military operations to render ineffective or unusable, to render enemy personnel or material incapable of interfering with a particular operation. You think Satan is trying to neutralize the church? How effective is he? Is he making us unusable, incapable of interfering with his operations? We'll talk about that. Like I said, Lord willing, unless he diverts me <laughs> before that, that's uh, kind of the path I'm, I'm headed down next. But um, I'll close us now. Thank you all for, for being here, and um, I hope you found this um, encouraging. Lord God, thank you for being our Father in heaven. Thank you for sending your Son to die for us. Lord, we thank you for your truth. Lord, give us courage to live out every day in that truth. Lord, give us the ability to discern between truth and falsehood. Lord, let us be your faithful servants. As we go into the service today, I pray for our leadership. I pray for Tim and Jeff, that you lead them. That what they say and the music they, they lead are a blessing to us and to others who perhaps do not know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.